It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast. So go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. <laughs> One for each bottle. That's perfect. That's good. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here with Scott Wagner. Hi, how are Scott, you? Thanks for coming by. My man. pleasure. My pleasure. It's been a while. It has. Yeah, yeah. It has. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, glad to be back uh, here and saw my, the old office and everything. So, brought back many memories. And so, uh, it's good to be here and joining you today. We could start there. You used to work here at Fasonian Partners. I was just thinking about that on my way. It's been 12 years. 12 years. But, uh, but it, those, were, those were still some fun years uh, here. Uh, I think uh, in, in a couple of cases, tasking you with doing just crazy stuff, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I recall, uh, the, the inf- infamous wrapping of the um, uh, computer monitors. Decapaging. Yes. S- computer skeletons. Yes. Monitor skeletons. Yes. Back when they were, you know, 11 right. inches deep. Right. In plastic. That's right. Right. And sending those to Oprah. Yes. In Good Morning America. Yes. Uh, we, we made a lot of friends in New York, as I recall. <laughs> sending them out there. Seriously? I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure there were a few people who looked at that and said, why are they sending this to us? But uh, some good times. Good times back then, for sure. You know, I, I think about that project still from time to time, so it's really funny you brought that up. <laughs> How can you not think about that? Exactly. <laughs> well, and it, the task was harder than you, it, it sounds to go and find whatever whatever it was. I think it was two dozen or something right, around right, that right. number. Yeah. And they were, like we were saying, the old I, I Mike, whatever. I'm, yeah, they weren't flat. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's kind of... Probably dating that project by talking about that, for sure. Well, that's how long ago it was. That's how long ago it was. And how long were you here? So I was here uh, three years. (coughs) Yeah, three years. Uh, uh, Weren't you here twice? No, just the one time, but but we had done so many other projects back to my... Back to my city market days, and then when I was on my own uh, doing some things, so... You know, the, the history with the agency goes back almost 25 years. That's yeah. right. You were yeah. director of marketing mm-hmm. for, for City Market, River City Market, mm-hmm. River Market yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the time, they had a nice, robust marketing budget and plan and department. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, who else was in that department? Because I remember going down there. Uh, well, it was me for the most part. Uh, but uh, we had, um, who did we have? Um, we had a few folks on the operations side, uh, then uh, uh, Stephanie Spatz, who was my... <clears throat> That's uh, what I'm thinking uh, of. Yeah, she was my assistant, and then she became <clears throat> director when I left and, and was there for a long time. A lot, did a lot of great That's work. That's what I'm thinking and so, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just a lot of uh, history with this agency. That's... Uh, you know, I'm enjoying this so far. I mean, it's like strolling down memory lane. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well... A lot of history with the agency. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got something in my throat. <clears throat> but also a lot of history throughout Kansas City. Mm, a little bit, yeah. Um, a lot of bit. <laughs> Serving Kansas City, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and for, no, for no gain, for no personal gain. Well, doing it, that, Doing yeah. it for the city. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a family thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Laura, your wife, mm-hmm. I don't want to go out on a limb here, but... Um, 
you know, she, I don't know her as obviously as well as I know you, mm-hmm. but she seems to be kind of in that same, her heart at least and her intentions are in the same areas. Oh yeah. Well, right now she is in the middle of, uh, of her own election and campaign for the North Kansas City School District Board. So she oh, really? is, yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she, uh, hopefully, uh, in less than a month will successfully have gone through that and, of course, uh, she spent uh, many a year allowing me to do a lot of crazy things, um, <clears throat> running for office and pushing me to run again in Clay County as I did last year. So, uh, very much, uh, yeah, very much so, very much so. So, I, I do want to talk about. Tell me what you, your current position is and what you do. Huh. So, um, I do many things. Um, my day job is as the community and economic development director for the Maddie Road Center. For those who uh, know that agency, which has been around for over 125 years, and then um, I am also uh, teaching and as an adjunct professor at UMKC, um, finishing my eighth semester teaching over there, and then uh, just uh, eight eight weeks ago started um, on the Clay County Commission for those who live in the Northland, um, working on that commission. Um, and then until about last Tuesday, I was on the Board of Parks and Recreation for Kansas City um, until, uh, until last Tuesday. That was my last meeting. So I uh, so did that for over three years. So uh, I, I sleep sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so those are the things I'm doing. Apparently, uh, apparently, I do not like being bored, and no one will let me get bored. So. Good. <laughs> what uh, can I ask? What happened with the Parks and Rec? Was it just something that? Uh, so I was asked uh, to to go off the board primarily because I had won my election in Clay County, oh. and so um, you know the the Parks Board is uh, like many other boards in the city is are, are ones that you are appointed to by the mayor. And um, uh, although it is not against anything to also hold elective office, I think uh, it was deemed a little, a little strange that you would have an elected official for another jurisdiction be uh, on sense. that board. So, you know, that was fine. It was a bit bittersweet because there's still a lot of things going on in the Parks Department and things that, that need to be done. But, you know, I serve, as they say, I serve at the pleasure of. And so... Um, there will be uh, a new parks uh, parks board member, I'm sure, uh, who will join the four that are already there, and they will do very good work, and they will do great work expanding uh, the the department. For those who don't know, the the parks department in Kansas City is over 125 years old. It is one of the preeminent um, departments in the country. It was the one that started, essentially, started the uh, City Beautiful program. Um, around the early 1900s um, that really gave you departments and park systems uh, that were you know, just, a, just as much about the greenery as it was the playgrounds, right? And uh, in Kansas City, during that time, there was really not a big push uh, for those green spaces. And so um, it, there's, there's a whole history about how um, the... The, the, basically, the people of Kansas City and the leadership of Kansas City had to push back against the elected leadership, even going so far as going to Jefferson City, to the state government, to allow uh, parks properties to be, um, uh, to be accumulated. 
Um, that's probably for another podcast for another time, but, uh, but there's a lot of great history in Kansas City's park system, and with 221 parks and over 10,000 acres, it's a, it's a big deal uh, in our city. And so, um, so that was, it was uh, uh, really an honor to be a part of that history in a time when you know, we were dealing with COVID. We had the uh, name change of Swope Parkway to include Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Parkway, oh, yeah. uh, you know the the park uh, uh, the parks amenities that were built at uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Park, uh, thanks to frankly Pat Patrick Mahomes and his uh, and his foundation that donated a million dollars for this giant playground that you can see right now when you drive by that park. So um, where's the park? Uh, it's um, though folks may know it more as Swope Parkway. Um, and about Woodland, um, that part of Swope was renamed for uh, Dr. King. Um, but if for those who have gone down Brush Creek and played on some tennis courts on the on the east side, as you kind of head towards mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know towards that area, then um, you'll see a. Actually, if you're on 71, driving over uh, the park, you'll see this giant. A playground. That's that's it. That's is it Gillum? And is oh no 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 no. Not... So uh, no. <clears throat> so it would. Uh, so basically, if you follow along Brush Creek mm-hmm. and you keep traveling east from, let's say Paseo, um, as you travel east from Paseo and you kind of come to um, uh, you know uh, Benton and then over to to what would be Woodland. You'll see it, but okay. you'll especially see cool. it as you're driving towards 71. If you're trying to get onto the highway there, gotcha. You'll you won't miss it. It is gigantic, um, but uh, but you know those are all things that we were able to accomplish while while I was on the park board, and so so you know I I have no regrets about that. It's fantastic, and uh, now others will will take off from there and take the department to even greater places. So it's good. Does that make us one of the oldest in the country? We are one of the oldest in the country because it wasn't really until uh, the latter half of the 1800s that you started to see these parks develop. So, you know, most people would recognize Central Park as an example in New York. You know, very much one of the first of those sorts of parks that were developed and, and the idea of creating those sorts of green spaces uh, really came out of that, and then that kind of you know grew. And George Kessler, who's the designer of our parks and boulevard system in Kansas City, kind of came out of that that kind of uh, school of thought uh, that would later really be referred to as the City Beautiful movement. And when Kessler designed Kansas City, he would then go on to design St. Louis's system. So if you've ever been to St. Louis and you've seen you know. Uh, their park system, uh, especially around the time of um, the World's Fair that they hosted, you know, very much that that thinking came from the work that he did in Kansas City a little bit earlier. So, um, you know, once again, we've won up St. Louis, got something before they did, then they got an arch, and then the rest is history. But um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, but a lot of that work, yeah, was formulated just right here. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, tell me about 
your current role as the, uh, or what your current involvement with Maddie Rhodes? Sure. So um, actually the day after I left uh, my city council service in Kansas City, I went over to the Maddie Rhodes Center. Matt, the Maddie Rhodes Center, for those of you uh, who don't know, uh, has its history dating back to the late 1800s itself. Uh, there actually was a young lady named Maddie Rhodes. Uh, she um, was uh, very much involved uh, with her community, with her church. She died at about 19 years old. And when she did, she left $500, which, you know, I think $500 is a big deal today. $500 was a real big deal, uh, you know, 120 years ago. And um, she set it aside uh, basically uh, to start, um, you know, to, to do more good works in, in the community. Um, most folks would probably know the Maddie Rhodes Center today. Uh, by the work that it had historically done in, on the west side of Kansas City. Um, a lot of arts programming and a lot of assistance in the uh, Hispanic community. Um, for the last 20 years, it has been doing a lot of work in the Old Northeast area, partially because uh, as that Hispanic and Latino population has shifted, um, it's still there on the west side, but it's really over in the old Northeast area. And so um, my work is generally around all of the community development uh, and economic development programming. So things like um, housing, things like workforce development. Uh, we've now got a, a pretty uh, robust um, uh, public health and emergency assistance programming that we do. Um, but, uh, traditionally a lot of folks may remember the arts programming that they can still get uh, on the West side. And we still have some great arts programming. We have some, well, it's open for everyone, correct? Right, right. So I think I took a a pottery class or an art class there when I was young. You probably did. And Um, and there's a summer or two. And then there's lots of folks who, who can tell a very similar story. And so we, we continue to do that. We just completed construction of a $3 million cultural arts center, which will help us show off a lot of the folk art that is within uh, our collections, as well as other arts-related programming. Sorry, Scott. Yeah, no, you're okay. Is that your current location? So um, so that location is at 17th and Jarbo. So for those who may know where the Primitivo Garcia Elementary School is on 17th Street, we're right across the street from that. My office and where I'm located is actually out of our northeast building, which is at 148 North Topping, uh, just off of St. John Avenue in the northeast area. <clears throat> so um, out of that office is where we do a lot of the uh, mental health work, the school support uh, work that we do. We have, uh, we have um, uh, service coordinators in about uh, 12 different schools, both in the Kansas City Public Schools as well as in the North Kansas City School District, partially because they have a growing number of uh, Hispanic and Latino students there in that district north of the river. Um, and then our emergency assistance, public health work, um, and the workforce development work. Uh, along with the mental health work that we do and some of the youth development work we do is located out of our Northeast office. So we have basically two two areas that we work out of, or two buildings we work out of, but both uh, very much in what um, folks would refer to as um, populations that have high numbers of Hispanic and Latino folks. So 
So uh, my day is filled with uh, trying to grow those programs um, and, uh, you know, kind of uh, work with our neighborhoods in, in the Northeast to expand uh, their capacities, uh, figure out, um, you know, what are those initiatives that we want to do in that area for the good of the neighborhoods. And that's what I get to do. Yeah. Is there a current task at hand that you're working on besides the one you just mentioned? Uh, well, I mean, there's always tasks <clears throat> at hand. So, uh, of course, uh, we have been trying uh, over the past month or so uh, to get uh, people aware of the candidates for city council uh, as the um, primary election is on April 4th. And so uh, we want um, our folks in the area to get out there and vote uh, because we know that areas that vote also seem to be the areas that get attention. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're doing that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of good things going on in Northeast. We've got um, things like, a, uh, hopefully, a redevelopment of the old Hardesty Federal Complex there at Independence and Hardesty that we hope um, uh, moves along. We've, um, we, uh, we've been very much working on uh, the Kansas City Museum, and it was open, and then uh, it had uh, a pipe burst, and now now it's uh, trying to get back on track. Um, we've got a lot of work going on in uh, Kessler Park, which is one of the largest parks in uh, the park system of Kansas City, and one of the oldest parks, um, actually one of the oldest parks in Kansas City, period, and trying to get uh, that park re-energized with new programming, just new activity, and hopefully some new investment that goes along with it. Uh, and then you've got everything that every individual neighborhood is working on that we're trying to help them find paths for if they need some help. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, you know lots of stuff going on up there. <laughs> not Too much. much. To count. Yeah, but not much. <laughs> Not much. I can I can tear myself away to do a podcast now and then about it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're grateful for it. Believe me. Um, I, I do want to talk about your time in the Northeast, your efforts in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. You lived in the Northeast for a while, mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, let's talk. Sure, sure. Explain what you've done for that area. Sure. Because again, Mr. Kansas City, you do it for the city. <laughs> you don't do it for yourself. Sure. And you do it for us. Sure. Well, I appreciate that, although my, my wife always appreciates a paycheck now and then, and that, that comes once in a while. But because uh, uh, those kids, they keep eating groceries. But um, the uh, so, you know, there were a lot of things that we were able to accomplish. Um, you know, I kind of go back when I lived there, when I represented the area, now the, the work I've done, I've probably got 20 years of history. What years did you live there? So I was there from uh, 2003 to 2010. Um, and then uh, because of redistricting, when I was running for city council, I, I moved uh, north of the river, which is where I grew up. So that, that wasn't a big deal. Um, uh, but, you know, we were fortunate to do a lot of things, not the least of which, which I think will have long-lasting effect, is... Well, would this be you and your wife? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, back um, when I served on city council, we were successful in uh, receiving what is referred to as a choice neighborhood grant um, from, uh, from HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. That was $30 million that came into that area for the express purpose 
of replacing the housing that was at the old Shoto Courts. And, and most folks who, who may listen to this may say, what's Shoto Courts? Well, it was essentially an old, it was a, a, an, an old uh, housing authority uh, housing unit area that was built back in the 50s, about 144 units, which after 60 years, as you might imagine, wasn't looking too good. And we, so as a city, we assisted the housing authority, and I was part of that team that went after it. We were able to get $30 million that was then matched with other monies that we were able to put in from the city, and not just to go build um, new housing, which we, we did, but it also meant that you had a lot of other um, investment coming into that area. So for those who may know, uh, Independence Plaza Park, for example, we were able to totally redo that park. We um, we actually, if you drive by there right now at the corner of Independence and Paseo, you will see a $12 million intersection improvement being worked on right now. And by the time you throw in everything that has gone into it, you're looking at almost almost $100 million worth of new things going on in that area. Um, and I was proud to have a hand in that. Um, but it sort of started with that initial $30 million right. that, that said, hey, this... Right. So they basically say, we're going to put... HUD says, we're going to put in $30 million, and you use that, whatever you need to do, but you got to replace this housing, and you got to you know do these things that you promised to do. And so... Um, you know, it, it was certainly no guarantee, and in fact, um, it, the housing authority came to visit me very early in my tenure on the city council because they knew I, I knew Northeast, and they said we we you know we need someone to champion this, and I said okay yeah I'll, I will do that, and fortunately um, Mayor James, who I served with at the time, was a big proponent of it as well, and so they came to you to lead the committee. So they came to me to, to go get people to say this was a good idea. Okay. And um, fortunately, it didn't require a whole lot of uh, convincing. Uh, I, I think what was part of the convincing was to be able to show the, 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 the HUD folks out of, uh, out of um, Washington that we were really serious about this. And it also required some conversation with uh, both... Uh, our city council and our mayor, and as I said, uh, Mayor James was great about this. Um, it, it basically said we we need to do this, but that means we've got to have skin in the game. We've got to be prepared to spend some money ourselves to show, you know, this match of, you know, we're going to take that thirty million, and now it's going to become something bigger. It's going to be a bigger investment in these neighborhoods. And and so we were successful in doing that. And in fact, um, the Sixth new building as part of this project uh, is actually going to have its um, its ribbon cutting. Uh, I think at the end of May, and then the seventh and final building, which is being built over by uh, Samuel Rogers, for those who are familiar with that medical center, um, that one I believe will have its ribbon cutting either 
later this year, the first part of next. But so uh, you're still really involved in the Northeast. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, now that I'm at Maddie Rhodes, that's like I'm in Northeast well, every day. That's yeah, true. Yeah, but uh, but, but you're yeah. serving the Clay. County but I'm also serving, yeah. But I'm also serving the Clay County Commission <laughs> as well. So, yeah. So uh, my, uh, I, I just go solve problems wherever I can. <laughs> Got a problem, I try to solve it, and then we move on. Isn't but, that what Batman uh, did? Uh, something like that. Although his toys were better than mine. <laughs> uh, my car is nothing like the Batmobile, but it's, toys. Uh, it's uh, and I, and I don't. You know, my belt just holds up my pants. I, I can't. It doesn't do other stuff like Batman's did. But um, that's okay. I'm not bitter. Not bitter at all about that. But uh, yeah. So you know, now over uh, with the Clay County Commission, um, you know, that's an interesting thing because uh, for those who who may be Northlanders who may be listening to the podcast, the um, you, you know, Clay County kind of got a little a, a little issue. Um, over a few years, and primarily the issue was one of um, whether or not it could actually work um, because of the infighting among um, the various commissioners for a variety of reasons. And so because of that, uh, Clay Countyans voted for a new constitution back in, back a couple of years ago. And that constitution created a whole new offices. Okay, wait a minute. Let's yeah. back up. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. What were the – Clay County had issues. Well, I, I, the, the issues, I think, were ones uh, – well, some of those issues included transparency, and there was a whole effort there to uh, get the state auditor at that time to do an audit of the county. You okay. might, might recall that. Um, you know, there was, uh, what, year, what years uh, was that this? would have Where been, uh, well, what, four, four years ago, probably. Okay. Four to five. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, those issues re- kind of came to a point and, and I, and I don't mean to say this to disparage my friends in Jackson County, uh, but there was a time where people were wondering who was going to get the competition of seeing who could get into the, uh, you know, get into the headlines for all the wrong reasons more. Was it Jackson County or Clay County? Clay County wasn't used to that kind of thing. In fact, I can recall about four other, uh, f- four other elections over the years where they were trying to decide whether or not to have a new charter or a new constitution. And each time you would always see these blue banners go up. I'll never forget them. And these blue banners would say, do you want to be more like Jackson County? And that it was apparently all it would take for those elections to end in failure. No new charter, no new nothing. This time around, uh, back in what would it have been in uh, 19, 2019, basically, when a new constitution was put forward to the voters, it passed 80% to 20%. I mean, everyone was ready for something new. And what so, changes in the constitution? Well, it, for one, it expanded the number of commissioners from three to seven. Um, so that is how I have come in as one of these newly created commissioner positions. Can I ask uh, why? Uh, why they expanded that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So a part of the issue that you have um, is, well, it's twofold, really. Um, one is if it's, it's much harder 
to um, gang up on particular people when you've got seven as opposed to three. And what had happened in Clay County was you had, uh, you know, votes that were two against one all the time. And with that, then, was was this feeling that you're, you know, you're really not uh, getting a... Consensus? Con- yeah, yeah, Cons- yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's just constantly the same thing. The other reason is that really because of Sunshine Law, which says that you can't have... Um, commissioners, or for that matter, any elected official that composes uh, a quorum uh, to be able to get together. So if you have three people on a commission, two of them cannot get together. So if I've got a problem... Without the third. Well, you mean? Right, or, or, or even to notice the fact that I'm going to go talk to this person um, because two comprises of a quorum of a three-person mm-hmm. uh, commission, right? So if I, if I have a problem and I am airing all this out publicly uh, and you're the person that I need to talk to, well, I can't talk to you behind closed doors. I can't, I can't speak to you one-on-one to figure out what, what is it that you've got against me? What, how can we solve this? Because if there's only three people and we are two of them, well, then I can't, I can't say anything to you privately right. because we would break the law <laughs> mm-hmm. in that case. Now, in the case of seven people, if you and I have a problem, I can pull you aside and say, okay, what's, you know, Michael, what's the problem? What is it we need to work on here? What do we need to talk about? And, and we can take care of our business and it doesn't necessarily then get to the outside world and, we, we kind of take care of our business ourselves, mm-hmm. but you couldn't do that otherwise. So, so this constitution increased the number of participants on the commission. It speaks to a more professionally run uh, uh, county government because instead of all these other elected positions, now you are having the commission hire an administrator and that administrator runs the county. And, you know, you would have elected positions like recorder of deeds and clerk and this and that. Well, now those have gone away in favor of a, a an administrator who is hired by the commission and then, um, and then they are responsible for the work of everyone else. So um, they would still hire those roles or no, right. They, they would essentially hire those roles, but now they're no longer uh, elected ones. And it really speaks to the difference um, in, in Clay County, you know, back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you know, Clay County, the Northland was still, you know, very suburban, lots of uh, fields out there for people to go <laughs> grow whatever they're going to grow. You know, now in Missouri, you can grow other things that you couldn't grow uh, before, but that's a whole other matter. But um, Soybeans, you mean? Uh, yeah, we'll call them soybeans for the sake, <laughs> sake of the podcast. But um, the uh, but I mean, you know, back then you could have three people who, you know, decided some things and you could elect a, a recorder of deeds to do these functions because when they elected them, they were, that's what they did. That was their job, you know, you know to do those things. But now, you know, you've got over 250,000 people in Clay County. It is still growing. It is, you know, less agricultural, much more suburban. And in some parts, you know, that, that suburban 
um, community, whether it's in Kansas City or Excelsior Springs or whatever, those neighborhoods are much, much older and those needs are much different. And so um, this, uh, this, this constitution that was passed and hopefully what we're able to accomplish as a new commission uh, takes us into the 21st century in, in several different ways. Um, having said that, that's still very different. And, um, and I'm finding that um, not everybody is quite ready for that. And I'm also finding that the way state government works and how it governs counties is also uh, very interesting as well. It's uh, the powers that we get and some of the powers that we don't have are just kind of interesting. But we'll see where that goes. But you knew that before this gig. <laughs> uh, I, I, I knew that, but you know, you never really know it until you actually do it, right? And and I certainly feel like I had a good, I have a, I have a good grounding in local government after eight years on the city council of Kansas city. Um, but everything's just a little bit different. You know, you walk in, the culture's a little bit different. The responsibilities are just a little bit different and the expectations are always just a little bit different. So can we, can you spend just a little bit of time unpacking that? You know, you did spend so much time, uh, I'll say, you know, basically running the city Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of, you know, the big, 360 degree, you know, that's the cliche we use view. Right. And now you're right. Northeast, Clay County. Right. Maddie Roads. Yeah. On the streets. Yeah. How is that like you're saying it's it's the yeah, duties well, are different. Well, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, I save a lot of on gas. I don't have to drive as <laughs> You know, Kansas City is 315 square miles in in four different counties. And I was an at-large councilman, which basically means that I was voted on by everyone in Kansas City. So you have a certain responsibility. And to, you won to, by like what? Seventy uh, percent? Uh, yeah, seventy-five, eighty percent. Yeah, I, yes, I was. I was fortunate. And let's not forget the highlight reel well, while you know, you're here. The highlight reel. Well, <laughs> well, well, you know. And then you get to my second term, where I'm mayor pro tem. I'm chair of our finance committee. Uh-huh. So I'm, you know, I'm the number two elected guy, and I'm and I'm running the budget process, and so. Uh, you know, that's, that gets fun. I had the, the two jobs where you had to tell people no the most. And so that, uh, that was always fun. But, um, but having said that, you know, we were making decisions about the airport that, which is now just opened. Uh, you know, those were, that was an election and a process that was in my second term in office. That's right. We, uh, That's right. we did the uh, $800 million uh, geo bond, which uh, people passed, which, had uh, a great sidewalk plan that I had worked four years on to get to, and and uh, that was funded, and as well as you know going back to Northeast, you know we were able to put eight million dollars into the Kansas City Museum, which finished the amount of money it needed to do its renovation, and so um, you know very proud of that. Um, we uh, one of the last things I was uh, able to do before I left was uh, working with our partners at MoDOT. Uh, as well as, uh, frankly, with the uh, people of Kansas City, we, we passed a renewal of our one-cent sales tax for infrastructure, and $60 million of that is going into the new Buck O'Neill Bridge that is being built right now. And that was part of the local match that we were able to, um, to negotiate with MoDOT. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really proud of that because instead of getting... 
basically $50 million from the state to uh, give us the same bridge that we'd had since the 1950s, we now have a $225 million bridge that is being built right now, uh, $60 million of which comes from the folks $225 million. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of concrete. That's a lot of concrete. That's a lot of concrete. A lot of overpass, uh, too, I'm noticing. Yeah. A lot of of it's in the air. A lot of it's in the air. I hope that does okay in (laughs) winter. It better. Uh, But uh, (laughs) but I'll leave that to MoDOT (laughs) to make sure that that it does. It it better. You know, know, the interesting part of that, just, you know, this is the kind of stuff you you deal with when you have questions like these, is um, because of the configuration it had, where if you wanted to go south, like, or rather north, I should say, across the bridge. You had to stop, basically. You had to stop. And because Mm -hmm. you had to do that, 20% of the traffic that that was coming back north bypassed that area so that it would go across the Bond Bridge. So it was very inefficient. And, 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 you know, and it's that kind of weird stuff that you go to when people say, well, why couldn't you have just had the same old bridge? Why did you have to go build a new one? It's like, well, actually I can equalize my traffic if, and, and take, and take traffic off these other bridges Mm -hmm. if I actually make it easier for people to go back North. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, you, you do a few years of, of, of this kind of work you know all sorts of trivia on just about everything, um, and so uh, so hopefully uh, that two hundred twenty-five million dollars that was assembled will all be worth it, and people will be able to come and go as they please uh, um, if they if they choose to take that bridge. And that's that was at least the idea. It's what anyway. March seventh, twenty-three. When's it going to be finished? Oh, it, it probably won't be finished for... 25? Uh, it'll be 24. It'll be 24. Okay. Because it, it is supposed to take two, um, two construction uh, years. So, so this is essentially its first one. Um, and so by sometime next year, it should be... I'm sure, and I don't mean this... I mean, I'm sure having a, basically a non-winter helped. Yeah. I mean, we had... What two weeks of sub-zero temps? Right. Other than that, right, right, and and, and yeah, and so the, they're all gonna just keep on working through until yeah, it's all should. done. Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. that river so, gets lower. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> we'll have it, different problems. It, well, exactly. And then there's the discussion of what do you do with the old bridge? And I know there's some folks who uh, would like to keep it there, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Kind of taking the uh, the High Line for those who've seen the High Line Bridge in New York, where they kind of converted that old railroad bridge into kind of a park. Oh. There are those who suggest that the same should be done with the old bridge, um, which sounds great on its face until you realize, well, but I think I've seen those drawings, and they want to put food cars on it, all kinds, and of stuff they want to put it. like a tr- like it's a, right, yeah, like a pier, yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways. Now, the 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 problem, and this was Jersey the, Shore, right? That's <laughs> uh, the river market. There you go. Uh, well, but the problem is, is the same one that kind of started the whole conversation, which is there is so much work that has to be done to that bridge to make it really usable. Um, and the number is somewhere in the $50 million amount to actually, before you do anything else to it, right. you got to sink $50 million into it to fix everything that has been rusted out. I mean, all the reasons why we built a new bridge, those reasons are still there. 
And of course, when, when you have that conversation and you say, well, I want to use this for something else besides to run car traffic across, MoDOT... Becomes Mo- a very expensive venue all of a sudden. Well, yeah. And MoDOT <laughs> says to you, well, we don't need it for that purpose. Right. So if you want it, then here you go. Yeah. And, and so then... Call you your know, insurance agency right, on that. <laughs> right. And, and so then the city has to say, okay, well, how are we going to pay for that? Uh, and it's its own little Zone thing. it, blah, 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 oh, blah, blah. Oh, my blah. gosh. Uh, I just assumed you guys, were, or you guys, I just assumed they were going to demolish it. Well, that was going to be like a citywide event. We'd all get to watch right. somehow from downtown. I think that was the presumption going into this, but there are those. And, hey, it's it's all good, you know, for those who want to, to do some kind of reuse. Uh, you know, That's great. Um, it's just now you got the dollars and cents sure. of making that happen, which fortunately is not my problem. So I'll let <laughs> others, I will let others figure that part out. Uh, <laughs> do you ever get phone calls from other cities? Uh, I mean, used like to. for advice, for job offers, for, hey, uh, you did this in, in this, you know, this not not so great area, this rundown part of your city. Can you do it here in this corner? Sure. On this block? So um, I, I would get I would get those calls. Um, my phone doesn't ring that much anymore since uh, since I've been out of office, but I would get calls. Um, because if they heard, you know, about an ordinance that we were able to pass, um, or something like that. And and I used to be very involved and Kansas city still is very involved in the national league of cities. And so, you know, those are opportunities, um, to talk about best practices. Here's what we do about this and so on and so forth. Um, so there were times where I would get a phone call or at one of these meetings, you know, we would talk about, well, what are you working on? What are you, what have you, you know, what are things that, or, or here's something I'm interested in. Have you done something like that? And you would have that sort of conversation. So, um, I, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's funny because I'm, you know, with my position at Maddie Rhodes, I'm still very active in city related things. And so, um, uh, I'm usually picking up the phone just as much as I'm being asked, uh, you know, what my two cents is about X issue or Y issue. Um, but, but, but no one has offered me a job out of that. I will say that though. Uh, if you know anyone who's looking, uh, <laughs> first, don't tell my current boss. From what secondly, I hear, everyone's looking for people uh, right now. Uh, maybe that, that may, well, that's about true. That's about true. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, what do you? What are you teaching at UMKC? So um, the class that I have been teaching currently, which is this is my seventh semester of teaching it, is a class called Management in Context. It is a class that basically takes management concepts as well as public policy issues and kind of kind of puts them in a blender, uh, so to speak, and uh, spits them out. Um, it's uh, a class uh, I teach at UMKC uh, at the Block School. And uh, it is a class that's been offered to um, MBA candidates. And so um, n- nothing wrong with the undergrads, but this has been an opportunity to teach uh, those who are trying to, to learn more and advance themselves either you know, individually or their company has, has uh, paid their tuition to come uh, to, to get the class. Uh, I think this will actually be my last term teaching it because... Um, it's no longer required, but I've had, on average, about um, 
40 to 45 students a semester. And when this was offered twice, one in class and one online, there was a semester I had as many as 88 students. And that was a little brutal, I got to say. Gotta say that was a little brutal, but um, so yeah. Why would this be the last? Um, they've uh, decided to uh, not make that a um, a requirement, a required, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, um, is it not strong as an elective? I mean, well, I think it's great, and I've been told <laughs> I've been told that my list of uh, guests uh, are, are better than most anyone can get, and I tend to agree with that too. Uh, but um, but I mean, you know. Nothing lasts forever. This this course was offered for many, many years, and now they're just moving on to something else. And I'm I'm told that uh, I'll have another class to teach probably in the fall. We'll see what that is. But uh, but uh, I, I but there's also a part of me that says, you know, if I get a break, I don't mind a break once in a <laughs> while either, because that's a lot of papers, it's a lot of tests. A lot of grading goes on. So even though it's a class I would teach one night a week, there's all the other work that you do around it. So it, you know, plus it was, your other jobs, right? Plus my other Let's jobs. Let's not and your family, right? And- right? Right? And so you know, it was not an opportunity I sought. It kind of came my way. I've enjoyed it, and if I continue to do it, it's great. And if not, then I'll uh, I'll find something else to do on Thursday nights. You know, no problem, <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> um, we get back into politics. Well, I mean, the Clay County is probably as far into politics as I intend to go. Um, you know, I was very fortunate um, and took advantage of an opportunity. One of the changes they made in their constitution was um, if if you were able to get more than 50% of the vote when there are more than two candidates running, uh, then you are declared the winner and you're done. So in my case, um, I had two opponents in my race for Western Commissioner. And I had I got fifty three point two five percent of the vote uh, last August, and that meant I did not have an election in November. So there was this five month period where I was just listening to people, talking to folks, and not having to worry about another election. And it was awesome. That's why I, uh, <laughs> I looked at some stuff up, obviously before this, and that's why I said the general election was canceled. For me, yeah. Okay, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know why. I was yeah, ask that was that. why. That okay. was why because of a of a of a quirk, and I was the only one um, that that applied to. Everyone else in their other races had um, you know, didn't didn't meet that fifty percent threshold. So, um, you know, frankly, it was one of the reasons why I decided to do this uh, because I really wasn't looking to go back into office. I mean, I know what it takes to run. I know the time commitment it takes. And when you have all these other jobs, the last thing you're thinking about is, well, gosh, now I want to <laughs> spend all this time mm-hmm. running. And so, um, so uh, I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone who goes and tries to run for elective office, if they if if they know what they're getting into, then they know that they are making quite a commitment in time. And, and frankly, if they if they have family members, a spouse and children and all that kind of stuff, then you're you're spending their time, too. It is not one to just get into willy nilly. And having done uh, the, the elections that I'd done, I, I just my heart wasn't quite into it. But with when this Clay County opportunity came, I thought, well, 
this is an opportunity to really put the county on the right footing. I live here, uh, and so I want to be proud of, uh, you know, my county and my county county government. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I didn't have to really talk myself into it too hard, but I also had passed over other opportunities to run for state rep and some other things. I thought I really, I don't really want to do that. Um, so this was the right, I think the right opportunity for me. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone then asks what's next. Like, uh, next is me going home. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> I, I, you know, the, those, uh, you know, those positions take a lot out of you, both when you have them, but certainly, if you're running for them, they are they are no cakewalks. You are really making a commitment. And I would say to anyone who's thinking, you know, one day I'd like to run for elected office. That's great. But but know that you are making a real commitment. And when you do that, you have to run as hard as you can. Um, Any time that you have that spare time is no longer spare time because you are committing yourself. Uh, yeah, to do every time something's wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really is because there's always one more person to call, one more door to knock, mm-hmm. uh, one more event to go to. And yes, you have to know when to say when, but but that's the job. And, and I always say that there is a... Um, when people think about the job, they think about the office itself. But the reality is you have a job before you get to that job. And they're very different. And they're very, um, they, they require, it, it requires so much of you to, in, in many respects, get out of your com- comfort zone. Because the minute you want to stay in your comfort zone, that is the opportunity for someone to defeat you. Um, you know, there are people who, uh, if you don't mind me waxing philosophically for a moment, you know, it is, you, you know, people, people don't like to be told no, and people certainly don't like, um, to be challenged. And, but that's what campaigning is all about because you have an opponent or you have to explain to someone why you, uh, why should they vote for you? Why should they give you $100 or $1,000 mm-hmm. or $5,000 or whatever the limit of your race uh, allows? And, and, and you, will, you will have people who will challenge your motives. You will have people who, who you know, you'll talk to, and they may be the nicest person in the world and they and you may think they really like me only to find that they like someone else you know <laughs> that it it is it is a process that if you don't like disappointment do not get into this business <laughs> because you will be disappointed every day every day some way or another but if you are doing it because you feel like there is an opportunity for you to make a a a, a difference uh, in the lives of others and the community that you live in. And as long as you keep to that, well, you can take a lot of the bad news because in the end, it's it's it should never be about yourself, um, even though you are the candidate. But if your eyes are on what you can do for your community, what is missing, what needs to be done, and here's how I can help make that happen 
then you can take a lot of the garbage that comes with it. But you can't have thin skin. You better be ready to hear no. You better be ready for someone to tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, because those days, whether you're campaigning or you're actually in office, happen a lot. <laughs> so now that I've convinced you to run for election, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really beautiful answer. That's yeah. a really great way to surmise the way you approach that position. Yeah. Cause, or, you know, any elected position for that matter, because not everybody does. No, and, and not everybody is prepared for that. There, there are a lot of good people. I mean, even in this election cycle, I've met a lot of good people who want to make a difference, who are running for these city positions right now. But it's also very clear that some people have done their homework, they know what they're getting into, and others don't. And, and, you know, that is where that opportunity of disappointment really comes in. And, it sounds like yeah. this is the UMKC class you should be teaching. Uh, and I'm not, <laughs> no, I don't mean that as a joke. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's obviously a portion of young population that wants to get into politics. That's oh, yeah. why we have politicians. Right. Just like any other business or industry. Right. You know, someone's going to take interest in it. Right. But no one's teaching you how to do the right thing for your city and, like you say, you know, yeah, the mindset and everything else. They tell you that for any other position. Oh, right. In school, right. Um, and most of the time, to your point, most of the time when you know you'll see these candidate schools. You know, I participated in them, and there are there. You know, a lot of um, are there specialty schools well, just for candidates? Well, I mean, so you know, like the city or the county will do these. Um, they'll call them candidate schools, but it's basically an opportunity for people who are interested in running to learn more about the operation, whether it's the city, whether it's the county, here's how it works. Mm -hmm. What no one teaches you um, is what, what is all the BS that I'm going to have to deal with before I can even get to that point? Mm -hmm. What is it that I need to know that's going on right now so that when I walk into my community, I understand what's going on around you? Again, you know, using the city of Kansas City as an example, 315 square miles. It is one of the largest geographic cities geographically in the country. Compare it to another city, please. So it'd be like four times the size of San Francisco. It would be two and a half times the size of New York City. And that's the kind of thing. And I use those... The footprint. Yeah, the footprint. Right. In, in, in a city of 508,000 people. Versus what? what's New York? Versus 8 million. Right. Versus almost a million in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, we always use those as examples because when you talk about the needs of Kansas City versus cities like those, one of the things that you get into is how dense of a city are you? And here, you know, the density of Kansas City is about 1,400 people a square mile. In San Francisco, it's like 20,000 people a square mile. So when you start talking about what are taxpayers putting into this, how do you actually build and maintain infrastructure, all this kind of stuff? Well, you just start doing some math and you begin to understand, well, this, okay, this is why this is a challenge. This is why this doesn't work. I was talking to a gentleman um, at one of the uh, forums that we are doing uh, in the Northeast area uh, for these candidates, and he, and, he, and he wanted to talk to me about potholes. Why can't we fix potholes? <laughs> and I said, well, um, here's the deal. 
Um, if you go to Phoenix or you go to Dallas or Houston, not a whole lot of potholes. Right. Why is that? I said because it does not freeze there. Here, if it rains, water freezes, seeps underneath. Now it's popping these things back up. So, you know, I think that's probably part of the reason why people love, you know, retiring in Scottsdale, for example, right? But, I mean, it's, it's, it's these sorts of things. Like, you know, no one's, no one is necessarily building bad roads. No one is necessarily <laughs> trying to do something nefarious here. No one is trying to um, not take care of their responsibilities. However, when your tax base is wide because it's covering, you know, 300 square miles, you know, you're, you're, you're twice the size of New York, but you have like less than 10% of the people, right? Right. Which means 10% contribution versus... (laughs) Right. So you don't have the tax base, Mm -hmm. but you have the size Mm -hmm. and more so than these other cities. And oh, by the way, you live in a city that gets freezing rain and snow. Mm-hmm. And even when it, you know, I will never forget, I think it was the last full year I was in office and we just so happened to get one of these freak freezing rain, snowy, blizzardy things. And within a week, the calls on potholes skyrocketed like 200% <laughs> because when everything melted, yeah. it popped a whole bunch of <clears throat> asphalt too. So, I mean... You know, and I don't mean to say that to make excuses for anybody or anything, <laughs> but when you get into this job, this is the sort of thing people get mad at you for. You know, potholes ain't fixed. I'm like, well, I don't control the weather, right? And I don't have as many people here that other communities do. And you know, I don't. I'm, I'm not in Florida. I'm here in Missouri. Here's the reality. Well, and unfortunately, unfortunately, to clean our roads when they are at their dirtiest and most dangerous, we have to run a giant dozer with a blade over them that unfortunately is going to do damage right. to the road right, right, and pick right. up pieces of street as it goes. Right. So, you know, so we can have icy roads or we can have a little bit of potholes. Right. Exactly. Way. Exactly. And so, and so, you know, there's about, what, $30 million plus that goes into our roads for, for road maintenance every year now. And when you have 6,200 miles of road... That $30 million surprisingly doesn't yeah, go... goes fast. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, but when you, when you sign up for this job, no one cares. And that doesn't that. account for disasters, for right. a semi-truck that takes out a giant, uh, you know, overhead signage that you have to replace because oh, it's yeah. a necessity. Exactly. Um, it doesn't take any of that into account. No. No. Uh, just like life, you know, you have your plan. Right. Yeah, right. Well, there, there was Make your plan saying, and, what is it? Make your plan in God. Well, the, 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 the joke I always, well, not, it's not a joke, but the saying that I always use actually is attributed to Mike Tyson, the famous boxer. Okay. <laughs> and it goes. And it goes, everyone has a plan until they get a punch in the <laughs> mouth. And, like and uh, the yeah. And That's so. Um, is that who said that? That is who I attribute it to because I okay. think that's who I've heard it from. Okay. Um, well, that would ruin your plans for the day. That would ruin your plans or for life. the day. 
But for those who aren't Tyson fans, there's the Dwight Eisenhower, for those who like Ike, uh, those historians out there, you know, famous for D-Day, planning D-Day back in World War II, who also said, you know, everyone, everyone has a plan and it's not worth anything the next day. And his plan for D-Day kind of went bye-bye the minute they started the operation. And so the, the, the moral of the story is we can all have great plans on how to operate the city, the county, everything else, but then reality sets in, and now you're just trying to react to it. And some people, uh, whether, whether when you're in office or when you're trying to get elected, understand that and understand you're doing the best you can, and others just want it to be Christmas every day. <laughs> uh, you promised this, and so this was going to happen. Like, well, you know what? <laughs> that was the plan, and then reality set in. So, yeah. Let me ask your opinion, um, personally, professionally, whatever you want to offer up, on the streetcar development, the density that we're putting, not we're, but the city is putting into downtown specific with the addition of more hotels, mm-hmm. more multi-unit family apartment complexes, um, you know, obviously, what's that? Baseball stadium. Baseball stadium. Thank you, Tim. Um, you know, the expanding the streetcar, um, and obviously because we're in Westport, we have yeah. to, that's some great congestion. Right. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with Al Brooks mm-hmm. about six years ago. Was uh-huh. at a fundraiser? Okay. And this was when they were under the, well, I don't know when it was, but it's when they were doing the first leg yep. of the streetcar. And I was at a fundraiser, non-related, but he was there. We were talking. Yeah. And I asked his opinion about it because it was choking a lot of businesses downtown. And I thought that he would sort of maybe teeter-totter or be in favor of, you know, the fact that it was kind of hurting businesses and be more sympathetic to that. And he really said, you know, you build these things not for today or tomorrow or even for five or 10 years. He goes, you build these things for 50 to 100 years out. Mm-hmm. And it makes complete sense. And when I asked him the same question I'm asking you, he said, we're proving that the eat, work, play concept can work in downtown Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I said, it, it floored me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, like I said, at the time, it was putting a lot of businesses in downtown Power and Light on that strip that was affected near there. Um, it was affecting their foot traffic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to believe that's what it, I want to believe. It's really going to benefit us. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it making us money? Is it bringing young people into downtown? Yeah. So I, I guess what I would. So I'll start first with um, why do we build it? Because this was my first term in office. This was what we were talking about, and the reason to build it was not so much about moving people because you can do all kinds of things to move people. It was about how do you attract people and investment into your city? Mm -hmm. How do you create density and development? And that was its primary mission, which I would argue mission accomplished. And I say that because as I look at... um, you know, Al's comments to you are exactly correct. Um, because if we only make decisions based on, well, what do we feel like doing today? What makes us happy right now? Uh, then you won't make strategic investments in your city. You won't. 
because there would be no no reason to. Uh, I, I liken it somewhat to why did we just build an airport? Uh, why did we do that? And the answer was, well, we want to attract more to Kansas City. We want to attract more flights. We want to attract more events. And I'm I, I'm kind of going away from your question, no, no, but I'm going to come back mm-hmm. to it. So um, you might recall, and, and others who are listening might recall, that we were in the running for the 2016 Republican National Convention. Right. And we... And and um, we didn't get it. And in hindsight, that's probably okay, um, <laughs> depending on w- which side of the fence one one is on. But there were two things that were pointed. You know, they wouldn't say it to the world, but they said it to the team that was pushing to get it here. Two things that were missing: hotel, hotel, mm-hmm. airport. They didn't even fly the Republican National Committee members through KCI. They flew them downtown. Mm-hmm. But they were quite aware of what was over there at KCI. Um, fast forward. Uh, okay, we're going to build a new hotel. Did that. We're going to build a new airport. Did that. What has come? Well, you've, you know, in a month, you're going to have the NFL draft here. They didn't come simply because we were a great place. They loved the hunts. They came because we had a city that could support that. And Even though that still will be under construction. Uh, well, uh, the for the streetcar, everything will take you through downtown, though. So from the, from Union Station north, you will be able to take the streetcar. You'll you have the airport. Right. No, I right, mean, right, but you'll right. still have. South of that, you still oh, have sure. to, tourists still have construction traffic. Sure, and and everybody understands that. Um, but you know, the other interesting thing, though, regarding that is, um, who came forward to say we want to do that? What I mean by that is, when in 2014, we had just passed the first, uh, and 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 frankly, the voters downtown voted for their transportation development district. It wasn't complete. City decided we're going to throw on an expansion. Um, so that expansion would have included Independence Avenue, Linwood Boulevard, um, a bus rapid transit for Prospect, and then an expanded streetcar down to where they're currently building to UMKC. Okay. When that vote occurred, um, f- three out of the four legs within that area that was created for this, um, for this election lost. Um, the people around Independence Avenue didn't vote for it. The people around Linwood Boulevard didn't vote for it. The people around Prospect didn't vote for it. V- voted no or did voted it turn no. out? Voted no. Voted no, okay. The only area that voted yes by two to one were, was this Main Street um, corridor. Corridor. And so then when a new election came there that was specific to Main Street, those same folks came out and, again, voted two to one. Did you hear why they voted no? Um, Well, so here's the interesting part of all that. Also, I'm not a skeptic on the street. I don't want to come across as a skeptic, but I do. 
I want the education. I'm very curious how the Legos fit together yeah. in making the streetcar make sense for the city. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. I mean, those who would look at downtown and would remember that the most exciting thing downtown was probably along that corridor, um, at least until Power and Light was built, was uh, was. Uh, Tanners, <laughs> the Savoy. <laughs> I, th- I, I would I would argue probably the Anthony's haunted on houses, probably the haunted houses more than anything. But but part of what we but part of what we were looking at was you got a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, parking lots and those parking lots we, are gone. We did. There's now development there. There are people now living there, and so one can make the argument that you know again for density's sake, it it, it did. But to your question on why did this fail back in 2014, that expansion, one, I would argue, you didn't see the initial streetcar up by that time. It didn't come open until May of 2016. So no one knew, okay, is this really a thing? And is this really going to be successful? Um, So, you know, you, you couldn't see it. And so that was a reason to vote against it. But for those who were, um, against it in those other corridors, I think they could not understand what was in it for them. And I, and what I mean by that is the area that you had to collect funds from was so big that, you know, let's say if, if you lived in Northeast and you were talking about this Independence Avenue line, well, shoot, you could be six blocks away from it, and you're still paying what the guy who is on, co- the, on the line paying, right? And so when you're being asked to pay that and you say, well, I don't know if I'm going to use this. Why How much of I an pay? increase? What was it? Oh, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a couple of pennies as far. Well, it was a couple of pennies, I think, as far as um, uh, property tax was concerned. It was a full cent related to uh, to uh, sales tax along there. Okay, but again, you know, downtown worked best because you didn't have to have all of downtown to do it. You had a discrete area of downtown because it was generating so much in tax that you could generate what you needed to do that starter line. But when you start talking about expanding. Um, now you're, you're moving further and further away from those money generators uh, that you need in order to do it. So now you've got to have a wider area that you're pulling that taxing from. And, and remember, in both the starter line as well as on Main Street, you're still getting a 50% match from the federal government to build this. So even Oh, the, really? Oh, yeah. So even the taxes that are generated here are not enough to build it. It's enough to provide the match you need and to operate it huh. so that you can still offer it for free. But, but there's, I mean, even downtown, that starter line, half the money that went to build it came from the federal Let's government. Let's talk about free. How free. long can we operate it for free? One. So, and and mm-hmm. two, I want to ask that question because has ridership ch- uh, changed since COVID? Because I know in Westport, we certainly have a lot more vacant office buildings. Sure, and sure. And I know it's true downtown. Right, right. I mean, it's real easy to park in Westport in the plaza these days. <laughs> right, right. It's real easy. Right. No, your point's well taken. Well, I, well, first of all, I will not profess to be the streetcar uh, guy because uh, there are others You're in the that guy position. for every other topic on but, the show. <laughs> but, I can, but I'll give you my shot at the answer to your question. So um, actually, when it came to starter line... 
uh, that was one of the questions that we asked. Do you do you charge for it? Do you not? The answer at that time was no, you don't, because the cost of operating a cash collecting system was just as much as what you would pull in. So you're not you you're, you're Makes zeroing out. Sense. Right? Makes complete zeroing sense. Out. You got to implement a, a POS right. system and right. a whole back end. Yeah, and take, all okay. that stuff makes so, sense. This is why we asked the question. Yeah. So so then when that easy, when Michael. this discussion was going on, it was certainly a similar discussion back in 2014 when we when we were contemplating these other systems. You know, it's it's it becomes somewhat of the same discussion that you have with uh, with the zero fare bus system. You know, how do you have... You did, you, it does take ad revenue, though. Well, yes. The streetcar does take ad they revenue. They do. Well, they do. It runs through the same um, buying system that you use for the ATA, sure. the Metro Transit. Uh, absolutely. But but again, that goes, goes to show that you have other revenue streams that can help offset mm-hmm. your operation, right? So, so but, but when you offer a starter downtown line for free... How do you then go and either say, well, it's free here, but it's not free here, or, th- or then you say, well, it's not going to be free here, so now we're going to start charging up here. That's a hard well, one to undo. Once you go down that road, you're kind of stuck there. Kind of like getting workers back in office. Well, there you go. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. But, 80% uh, of which I heard Monday morning on Bloomberg, 80% polled. Of, you know, sure. And that's like worldwide probably. Or oh, absolutely. You said that they would quit if they had to go back in office. Well. Because, I, you know, coming up here in May. Right. A lot of big companies are starting to say, huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how all that transpires. But I guess to your point, I to my knowledge, uh, what they are pulling in, from, because a lot of what they're pulling in is sales tax, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to straight up um, revenue uh, or, or straight up uh, property tax that goes into oh, it. You've got, sorry. you've got some who, um, who may not generate sales tax, who will instead pay, you know, some amount uh, for the cause, but your main sales tax generation is still pretty robust. And so as long as that holds, so, you know, if, if your restaurants are still solid, okay. if, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of things, if your retail is still solid, then, then generally you don't have much of an issue to worry about. If on the other hand, and I guess, you know, probably to your point, if you start losing enough that then tells, tells your retail and your restaurant folks, okay, now we don't have the throughput here. Now this doesn't work anymore and they start closing. Well, that becomes a different conversation at that point. Yeah. I've seen it in Westport. We lost two restaurants I think going on three, and then, you know, as a result, you know, because there's no, we don't, gosh, how many restaurants were there at one point? They were endless. Well, there was a lot. There was a lot. You know, maybe 10 (laughs) or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you emptied the office buildings and... Yeah, there's your lunch crowd, right? Exactly, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, I don't want to dwell on that because it's negative. but But your point is well taken that, you know, for... For this, for for really any transit to work, you have got to be able to move people so that they can go to work, but you're also moving people for leisure purposes as well. I mean, you you want when when this whole thing is built. I mean, you you want to not only move the visitors that may come to Kansas City and they want to kind of see the sights around here, but you know. 
you're probably moving students that are going to UMKC, but mm-hmm. maybe they live maybe they live around here and now they just you know they take a streetcar or you know whatever the case may be so you've got to have all the all the all that mixing has got to work the university right. connections are no brainer yeah i mean that makes perfect sense yeah um you know i, I forgot who said this at someone i don't want to say famous or you know on tv that i saw it on some national tv show might have been Van Jones or someone like mm-hmm. that was saying that you know all of the newest tech, all of the good stuff should be used in the most needed areas. Right. You know, let's put all the let's experiment with hydro and water power, or excuse me, hydro, you know, um, hydroponic power mm-hmm. and wind power and solar mm-hmm. power. Let's put those in urban areas mm-hmm. and test that there and free Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and free Wi-Fi towers mm-hmm. that we've been talking about doing recently. Right. Um, you know, let's put those in urban areas and, and, and test that to benefit them, but also we can test the the, the communications and the and the media itself. Right. Um, you know, so the university thing makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. So, but you don't. You're not sure of dad on ridership or anything. Um, everything that that I know suggests that uh, the ridership is still pretty consistent. I have. I'm unaware because again, it's kind of a uh, kind of a specialized ridership. Now, if you start talking about bus service, um, you know. As as uh, the experience of this agency knows, I mean, there you can you kind of get. You know, it kind of waxes and wanes mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a lot of ways. But the central rider of someone who is taking the bus, and I don't think it's changed much, is it's the person who's traveling from the east side to the, to west, the west side, side. of town, yep. and they are going to work. Yep. And so, you know, that's where even when we were discussing this before with Streetcar, you know, do you do an Independence Avenue line? Do you do a Linwood a line? I mean, the, the bus rapid transit that's on Prospect right now, which fortunately was done successfully without um, any of that kind of taxing. Um, that was, was a, yeah, that was an ATA movement, right? And they were they were fortunate because they were able to get um, both. That was uh, done at the same time as the Max, correct? So it wasn't. That's that was the max. It's the line. same. Okay, the right, max right, line right. is the same thing. They were that's fortunate right. to get federal funds that kind of helped pay for almost all of it. And we so they we did that branding campaign. Yeah. So. Well, you should be proud of it because I mean, it's it's getting Prospect Max was a big deal because it you know behind if I remember right behind Main Street and Troost, uh, Prospect was the number two bus line by by uh, number of uh, mm-hmm. passengers in the entire city, right? And so getting that movement uh, was very, very important. But again, going from the east side of town to the west side of town, getting people to work. And so, you know, the fact that we couldn't make streetcar work wasn't, I think, uh, a streetcar at Independence in, in Linwood wasn't an indictment, I think, of the desire because I think we all knew, yeah, we're trying to move people from west, uh, from east to west. But the dollars involved with doing that to build a system that could do that required people in those areas to pay into it, and it just wasn't just wasn't compelling enough. Yeah, they I get that. it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, once they see the finished product, maybe yeah. it'll change. It maybe that'll years. change. Maybe that'll change. We'll see. Hopefully. We'll see. So what's next? <laughs> everyone uh, keeps asking you. <laughs> I'm going to be the same. I'm going to be like everyone else. Uh, what is next? So next, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, next we have uh, our uh, 
back to Northeast for our fourth district candidates forum, uh, where we'll have uh, eight candidates come out and talk about why they need to be on the city council. And then, uh, you know, I'm just... And what uh, will you do for that? Uh, so we will be, um, we'll be hosting that at the Northeast Chamber of Commerce um, on Independence Avenue, asking uh, a series of questions. Uh, you know, what do you, you know, why do you want the job? What are you going to do? And then asking them a variety of different questions just to test their knowledge on uh, all the various issues that everyone cares about. The funny thing is always... You know, and I say this to candidates all the time, and because it, it was true for me. You know, you come in with maybe ten things that you want to do, and you're ready to go work on them. But then there's a hundred things waiting for you that you never gave a thought to before. You might not have even cared about before, but now you got to go deal with them. <laughs> and and being able to do that little dance is is uh, important, and especially as a candidate, because the last thing anyone wants to think is that you don't know their issue, right? The, you mm-hmm. know, that's, yeah. They do not want to hear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that. They mm-hmm. want to know that you've already looked at it and you know what's going on. Well, we all know what I, I'm going to look into. Uh, it means. Right, right, right. <laughs> it means I just did. Thank I you, just sir. did. Thank you. Thank you for your help. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, but, uh, you know, in Clay County, I'm now, what, eight, eight weeks in uh, to uh, my position there. So I've got three years and... 10 months before, uh, I guess a little bit before that, if I want to look at re-election. So, you know, got a lot to do uh, there. So, you know, the, 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 the next is more like, okay, what am I doing tomorrow as opposed to <laughs> what am I doing four years from now or eight years from now? And I, again, I, I basically say that, um, you know, I, I had, I wasn't really looking for a new elected position. I took this one on because it, it, you know, I had a friend who um, described it to me as the middle management of government. And I thought, you know, you're really right because you're not in the city, you're not in the state and so on. You are uh, having to deal with everything in between. And But, this, you know, despite that, I thought that it was very, uh, very interesting and worthwhile. So we'll see if anything else uh, captures my my attention and, uh, and if, uh, you know, as I, as I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, not getting any younger and time will eventually pass me by. And I want to acknowledge that before I have voters tell me that. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to, I'm going to see what we do here in Clay County. And I think we're, we're going to move in the right direction. And if something makes sense, then great. And if I decide that uh, this is, you know, my final uh, roundup, so to speak, I'll be okay with that too. And and um, I, I always look at it as it, you know, if you don't know what to do, then that's probably the time that you should get out of the business. And but I do a lot of great work with some great people at Maddie Roads, and so I'm, uh, you know. I'm a lucky guy that people still think I'm good for something and they keep putting me in positions to do things and, and I'm glad to do that and I will do that. And we'll just keep on going down that road until such time as my phone stops ringing and people quit knocking on my door and then I'll know it's time for me to be put out I, the pasture. I don't think your phone's going <laughs> to stop ringing and I don't think people are going to stop knocking on your door. My father educated me before I knew you personally that you do good for good's sake. Mm. Um, Keep on doing it. Thank Keep you. Keep on doing good for Kansas City. Thank you. 
Um, keep on doing it for the Northland too, darn it, because I live up there too. <laughs> well, they, well, there you go. There you go. I you know, will. and I will. Um, we appreciate you at the agency. Thank and you. Um, I think I, I know Kansas City appreciates you. Thank you very much. So wonderful having you here. It's been an honor. Thank you. Shake your hand. Let's get out of here. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks, Scott. That was fun. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Little Agency That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on FasoniPartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email Roar at FasoniPartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at FasoniPartners.com. Thanks.